0: Good morning, everyone. Our guest today is Fire Marshal Dan Jagger. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Dan, it was a tad chilly this morning, and the forecast
1: says it's going to get even colder. I've seen the same forecast, yes. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: How do you feel about this?
1: Uh, you know, um, it, it, being living in Alaska my whole life, I never get used to the wintertime, mm. um, but it does seem like... Uh, being in the fire service we see the same trends come up every year and and that being um, house fires increase uh, across Alaska fire fatalities increase more during the November through January months so um, you know this time of year our focus other than staying warm is also to talk about general fire safety around the home I'm looking to take that
0: up but here I had saw on social media that uh, folks are talking about the ice over by the glacier and i i know folks also call you up asking about uh, the safety of the ice over by there
1: uh is, is it is it fair to say it's not safe to go out currently you know that's uh, that's kind of our standby for any time we get a call regardless of how cold it is because we just don't know as a fire department we we may know a lot of things and have a lot of resources, but when it comes to ice, we just tell people to always use caution. Um, you know, we're not the go-to folks as far as thickness goes because we don't we don't check that. Um, we just urge people to be safety conscious, and if they do decide to go on the ice, um, you know, be careful where you're going, different areas, um, and also make sure you've got somebody else with you in case something does happen. Uh, a lot of the things that we kind of tell people when we're out doing uh, trail rescue stuff, you know, in the summertime, have a cell phone that's charged up. Um, if you're going to be on the ice, maybe put that in a Ziploc bag so it's waterproof. Mm-hmm. Um, have another person there with you so you got the buddy system. And, um, you know, don't, don't venture anywhere too far off if you don't have to. I know it's exciting and everyone wants to go out in the outdoors, and especially on days like today, and enjoy the beautiful weather and scenery. But... Um, just be extra cautious. And if you don't have to be on the water, whether it's frozen or not, um, maybe think twice on that too.
0: Yeah. It was, it's a tad scary. I read once that a person who fell through didn't really fall. They described it like going down a slow elevator, you know? Sure. But, but what resources do you have for on call for a response like that?
1: Well, we have a special rescue, uh, special teams rescue uh, crew that we have through um, volunteers and career staff combined. Um, it's a, a very specialized elite group of people that specialize in the rope rescue aspect for high and low angle stuff. Um, water rescue during the summertime for primarily like the Minnehaha River. And then also ice rescue in the wintertime. Uh, we have boats that we can use for water rescues. Um, We have the Gumby suits or the survival suits that people may see. Um, The Gumby suits? We call them Gumby suits because when you put them on, you you look like a big red Gumby. (laughs) Um, You'd have to see a picture to actually appreciate the the description on that. Uh, Oh, I know the show, Fire Marsh. But, uh, you know, anyway, um, we have those cold water rescue suits and ropes, uh, different lengths and types, uh, throw rings, uh, kind of a variety of uh, things that we bring toolbox with us. Uh, just to help with that kind of uh, rescue. So, um, you know, and the other thing is is that because not all of our uh, staff is available to readily respond immediately, uh, some of the stuff might take a little bit of time to gather equipment and personnel. So if you do go through the ice somewhere, um, there's going to be some sort of a delay in addition to the 911 system that we have for any kind of a call. So um, just things for people to keep in mind. It's not going to be an instantaneous response. And even when we get there, um, you know, we have to do our own safety evaluation as well, and make sure that's going to be safe for us to get out there uh, to do the rescue. So um, that's why we just ask people to just really think twice about it before doing that, before uh, putting themselves or anyone else in any kind of unnecessary risk. Uh, just out of curiosity's sake, if uh,
0: if uh, like you had mentioned if you're not keeping tabs on the ice and just generally telling people don't go out on it who might be the right folks to call for something like that
1: uh you know i I don't really have a a readily available list of people to call um i'm sure social media you could put a post out there on one of the the media groups and somebody might have a better idea or there might be somebody that actually kind of keeps track of that um offhand i don't know (laughs) but that's fair now
0: i would wanted to bring up you had mentioned staffing i had wanted to check how the department's doing on that since over the summer i understand there was
1: a lower amount of volunteers than typical right um yeah you know we we've traditionally and not just here in our department, but across the nation, i have seen a a decline in the volunteers over the years for a lot of different reasons. Um, We did have a lower number of staffing this summer. Um, We have gained some since then. Um, From what I understand from the assistant chiefs, uh, we're looking at about 50 on the roster, and some of them are just EMTs, EMS focused. Some of them are fire, fire and EMS, both. um, Varying levels and degrees of... um, capabilities and availability. Uh, But I think what we've seen over the last uh, several house fires we've had in the last month or so, we're sitting probably at about a dozen uh, volunteers that are coming in, you know, regularly for calls, um, which is always a much needed help, but we always need more. We're always recruiting for more people. So um, if anyone has any desire at all, uh, we strongly encourage you to come down to the downtown station. Talk with the crew, talk with the different chiefs, um, pick up an application package and see, you know, is, is there something that you can offer, uh, whether it be skills, time, availability, whatever, uh, to help the fire department and help the community ultimately? It's also a dedication of time i wonder is there a stipend for folks who might sign up yeah so there is for volunteers they they get a stipend for um the number of calls that they go on and and training that's uh every month um so what that actually amounts to i don't know because i'm not in the accounting part of the of the department but it's a small amount so basically it's to help cover things like gas for vehicle use to to get to these calls and things like that, um, it's not much, but it's a little bit of something we can try to give back to the volunteers. In addition to our our thanks and appreciation for what they offer. So, um, again, you know, you're not going to make a lot of money off of that, but that's that's not the intent, and that's in my experience, that's never been any one of the volunteers' intent. So. Um, they, they take it as a, a, a nicety, and, um, and they love what they do. They, they're dedicated, just like anyone else in the department, to helping the community in any way they can. So um, it's hard to put a price tag on that. Now, what about a role a volunteer is assigned?
0: Could they, are they thrown everything all at once, or could they just ask for specific roles within the department?
1: You sure can. So if you have a focus primarily on doing the EMS stuff, where you're in an ambulance primarily and, and helping injured people that way, we have uh, people that do just that. If you have more of an interest in the fire or rescue side of things, you can definitely go that route. Um, both disciplines have... Uh, quite a bit of different nuances to them, obviously. Uh, their training requirements are different. Their use is different. Um, but we, we really go beyond just the fire and EMS. There's the special teams aspect, like we just talked about. There's helping my office out with uh, fire prevention, public education. Uh, if people have an interest in investigation work, you know, you can, you can help with that. Um, we have some people that like to help with just different public events, And so they like to help coordinate and and do things like that. Uh, We could find some office-type support needs. I mean, there's just a a huge variety of of things. Um, So, again, like I said, I encourage people to just stop by the station, see what the fire department's about, um, dispel any rumors or myths or ideas they might have had or confirm them either way, and then see what, personal skills and talents they have to offer and how it can fit in. And I think people would be surprised at how well uh, what they have to offer can be a benefit. So and before we go to a break here,
0: I wanted to ask for up to this point, how many calls the department has had?
1: Yeah. So just from the fire chief earlier this morning for this year alone, we're sitting at four thousand eight hundred and thirty calls. Which, for about the last five years, has been uh, pretty close to the same numbers. We're sitting at about forty-seven to forty-nine hundred calls a year. Um, this being only the first few days of December, and we get usually, you know, three hundred or so calls. Um, we could definitely go above the five thousand mark, um, but like last year, we had four thousand nine hundred ninety-six for the year, so we almost made five thousand, but. Get, from looking at the uh, the spreadsheet here that the chief gave, I mean, we're, we're on track to be hitting close to 5,000, which, uh, put it in perspective, he also has on here from 2006 where we were running about 3,200 calls. So we're almost doubling our calls since then. Um, and I started in 2005. So it's uh, it, it's kind of interesting to see the numbers and how they change every year. And, and we're constantly increasing that or staying right at that Um as far as any down downward trends, there's really not much of that. We're maintaining this for quite a while now, so it's definitely a busy place. And that that covers both the
0: fires and EMS that you have responded to. Right,
1: that's fire and EMS, and that doesn't include the uh, CARES or Mobile Integrated Health MIH oh, yeah. program that we have. That They track their numbers separately from the... Um, the fire and ems responses and i don't have those numbers available but they're another very busy group uh those two aspects of the department so uh, maybe next show we can have a breakdown of those um, responses as well because um it's there's just a lot going on with our staff so
0: and and cares is going under ccfr at some
1: point right isn't it yeah they've been with us since 2019 when we took it over from rainforest recovery program from brh and um you know the staff there is tremendous i mean they do so many things for the community um it's not just dealing with the inebriated population or the homeless it's it's a whole broad mix and the staff is some of the most dedicated I've ever seen because their compassion and their willingness to do whatever they can to help people out in whatever their need is, aside from fire and EMS. Um, There's a whole uh, social uh, aspect to the community that a lot of people don't realize that we're a part of through that program. And uh, Joe Mishler is the manager for that. And, uh, you know, him and his staff do just a tremendous job and, I hope that at some point we can get that some of those people on the show to give some insight to the community about what they do because uh, I, I don't feel I'm doing them justice but I do know that they're a very busy group um, and they help a lot of different other groups out like JPD and uh, the, the emergency department at BRH and uh, just a, a lot of other places around town that benefit from the services that we provide through that group So, I, I wonder if if we
0: did account for the amount of calls they had, it would be over 5,000 this year.
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it it
0: definitely would. Incredible.
1: Yeah, it's it's a busy
0: place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll have a quick break. We'll be right back. My apologies there. Uh, We're back with Juno Fire Marshal Dan Jagger.
1: I hear Santa's got a new ladder truck to ride on this year. Yes, he does. Uh, Our new platform ladder truck that we had shipped up uh, about the middle of september of this year is going to be the sleigh ride for santa this year <laughs> and uh it's going to be a, a great time like always the santa run is a huge public event that uh we get lots of people asking about early into the summer you know are we going to do it this this winter and yeah of course we're going to do it um it's going to be happening december 16th and 17th the 16th will be out in the valley uh the 17th will be the downtown run um we have our posting on that on our facebook page the capital city fire rescue page uh it has a picture of the map what the route will be and uh, you know we're really excited as a department to be doing that and we know the community is looking forward to it and in, in addition they'll see a, a brand new apparatus that um that sand will be on too who all is participating in the parade this year uh, you know, we have uh, various career staff that, uh, that help operate the apparatus. We have volunteers. We have families of career and volunteer families that uh, ride along and participate, uh, cheer us on if we're going through the neighborhood. Uh, there's a lot of different people that do that. And, um, and we have a lot of people that help, uh, even before all that, to help get decorated and, and get Santa ready and everything like that. So a uh, number of people participate in it it's a good time well
0: very good and the one last one last topic we have time for that i had wanted to visit was there was the you had mentioned earlier there's the recent fires here in town and in one instance the residents were alerted by a smoke alarm before the fire it was a smoke alarm in their basement there Mm -hmm. Uh, highlight the importance of the smoke alarm smoke detectors
1: yeah, so you know the whole thing about smoke alarms is, is that they they just they do just what it says they alarm you to smoke. So and that could be if you know like in this case where it was down in the basement and they were up in their bedroom sleeping upstairs. Um, that distance in the house that was your first alert, and so the um, the father of the group heard it. He went down to check and he didn't notice any fire actively in the, in the space. So he came upstairs to try to see if he could see anything up in the other parts of the house. And he didn't, uh, about that time is when somebody passing by said it was banging on the door and told him, Hey, you're, you're outside your house is on fire. In this case, it was unique because the fire started on the outside of the home, not inside. And so being on the, um, outside of the home, it went vertically and it got into the gable end of the roof and, and it we showed up the entire attic space up above the living uh, rooms was actually burning so you know unless someone sees it and reports it earlier a smoke alarm might not actually be uh, effective but um, again the whole thing is the early detection so by having that alarm it gets your attention or somebody's attention that something's going on and um and sometimes you know when they happen in the middle of the night, you're in such a deep sleep that you might not notice you know you might not smell the smoke or or hear anything crackling or burning. And the problem with that is if you're already asleep and you start inhaling that smoke, uh, the smoke is what kills you. It's not the fire that burns you, so to speak. It's the actual inhalation of the smoke that asphyxiates you, and then you you die through that. So um, smoke alarms are relatively cheap. There's a whole variety of types and styles and price ranges, but they're effective. And that's the only thing that we can really stress is to have those for the early detection to get you out of the house and your family safe. Um, you know, anything after that is a bonus, but uh, Alaska traditionally sees at least 20 fire fatalities every year, and we're hitting about 20, I believe, already. Um, and, and those are from anywhere from big cities like Anchorage to. Uh, small communities like Selowick on the western coast of Alaska and everything in between. So it's not just one population, one demographic, not geographical areas. It it can happen anywhere, and the state fire marshal statistics show that every year. And, and not just that twenty specifically,
0: but just typically, what 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 is the cause of of those deaths?
1: Uh, you know, a lot of them are um, heating related. You know, so either misuse or um, alternate use for heating sources like space heaters, uh, open flame devices, uh, various types, wood stoves, you know, anything like that. Um, Cooking is another one. Unattended cooking is another real common one that happens uh, in a lot of places because they put food on the the stove and then they forget about it. They fall asleep if it's late at night. And next thing you know, they got a kitchen fire that spreads throughout the home. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are probably the the most uh, prevalent type. Um, I know Anchorage has seen a lot of intentional set fires that have um, been kind of on the rise for them for the last couple of years. And I don't have any specifics on that, but uh, I do know that they're dealing with that issue. And that's certainly a problem all over the state to some degree. Um, So, you know, just a lot of it is just trying to stress the importance of people. Being safety conscious, you know, um, thinking twice before doing something. And if you're dealing with any kind of an open flame or heat device, really use caution on that. And if you leave the room, unplug, turn off, whatever you have to do to that particular device, just to help ensure that you don't have any problems.
0: I I noticed that with some of these space heaters, I had recently uh, gotten a newer one myself. I noticed that with some of them, they have a button at the bottom where if it's like knocked over the space heater
1: turns off but that must not be the case for all of them not all of them but over the last probably five at least five years a lot of the uh, product manufacturers have been installing those uh, because consumer safety products commission has been either recommending or requiring it of companies and um, the manufacturers realize that this is a problem and they don't want to be the blame for someone's loss of their home or loved one's life so they're putting in these different types of settings. Um, So the safety standard community is definitely stepping up on that with manufacturers. And you're right. They have these tip over features where if it falls over, it'll shut off. Um, If it gets to a certain temperature uh, beyond what it should be, it'll shut off with thermal uh, cutoffs. Um, You know, there's just lots of different types. Now, there's a lot of them out there that don't have those kind of safety features. Um, A lot of them are foreign made and they don't have to. Uh, And they're being sold in stores all across America. So, you know, if you're going to use a heating device like that, uh, I'd recommend doing some research on it, seeing what the safety aspects are, what the overall recommendations are. And it might cost you more money, but it's also peace of mind. You know, we understand that people want to stay warm um, wherever they're using these. But we also want to make sure they're doing it safely with uh, a quality product that has some safety features in, in addition to just the human factor now before we close out here i don't want to forget either there are folks
0: that have the wood stoves as well i know i've got some neighbors uh you, you still offer the
1: the sweeps at, we do yeah at, at the fire station we do yeah the downtown fire station across from the federal building uh, on glacier avenue we have a set and also the fire station out by the airport on crest street we have a set and it's real simple people just show up they um come to the door they ask to borrow it uh we check them out to them um they can go and do their own chimney cleaning and then bring the stuff back, and then someone else can use it. I know Pete Karen's been a, a regular customer <laughs> of that service over several years, and he's always pushing that. And, and absolutely, you know, we uh, we provide the materials and the tools, we just don't actually do that service. So, a good reminder for those folks. Oh, yeah. All right. Well,
0: thank you, Dan, for joining us this Thanks, morning. Thanks, Kevin. And thank you for joining us this chilly morning. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line, signing off.